Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, June 25th, 2015. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book and we will begin reading on page 92, revisiting the last paragraph on the page beginning with Continue to Speak of Alcoholism. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Row M, 12 Traditions, Amy W, and our readers of the text will be Deanna B, Rachel N M, and Deborah R. The reference number for Wednesday, June 24, 2015, is 7754. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively, soliciting, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Row M to read the 12 steps. Good morning, all. The 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made to recommend to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Ro M. I will now ask Amy W. to read the 12 traditions. Thanks, Sally. Thank you, everyone. Amy W., compulsive overeater from California to read the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, 
for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Amy W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press one to unmute. Star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 91. On the bottom of the page, I'm sorry, on page 92 on the bottom of the page where it says, Continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness. And I will now ask Deanna B. to begin reading. Deanna. Thank you, Sally. You can hear me all right, right? Sure can. Yep. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, this is Deanna B. from Chicago Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. Keep his attention focused mainly on your personal experience. 
explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. Doctors are rightly loathed to tell alcoholic patients the whole story unless it will serve some good purpose. But you may talk to him about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. You will soon have your friend admitting he has many, if not all, of the traits of the alcoholic. If his own doctor is willing to tell him that he is alcoholic, so much better. Even though your protege may not have have entirely admitted his condition, he has become very curious to know how you got well. Let him ask you that question, if you will. Tell him exactly what happened to you. Stress the spiritual feature freely. If the man be agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic that he does not have to agree with your conception of God. He can choose any conception he likes, provided it makes sense to him. The main thing is that he be willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he live by spiritual principle. That's a big paragraph, and it's great that we're going over it again. So much has been said about it. And uh, I do know that what jumps out at me here is all I know is that I was told when I first came in to program, I could choose. It doesn't matter. That should not be an excuse for me not to be an Overeaters Anonymous, be abstinent, work the program, as long as it's not me. You know, I was told it it could be anybody, anything. Um, And I really had no problem with that when I came in because I didn't have uh, a religious background of any kind uh, other than my mother used to, uh, like a lot of us, say that God's going to punish you. And uh, so I always, I grew up with that concept, but it was very easy for me to set that aside. And uh, what my issue, and issue for a lot of us, I believe, is that, yes, I believe in a higher power, but I think, oh, well, he could help everybody else, not me. And why would he bother or she bother? Um, had an interesting experience last weekend, Father's Day, Every year for the last 20 years, my daughter has had uh, what's called Artist on the Wall by the beach, uh, and there's these cement uh, where you, you sit, but you you buy space, and uh, they give out free paint, and they judge it. And uh, This man sat down by us. There were four of us. Every one of us is in some sort of a 12-step program. And uh, he sat and proceeded to tell us how he lost 100 pounds. And he also had a a problem with alcohol uh, that was, uh, I was living the life of sin, he said. It was, uh, he needed to talk. And it was really, you you could tell by what he was saying that he really didn't want to hear about us. He wanted to tell us about him and that he was very lonely. And I believe at that time, you know, all he needed was the support. Uh, and he said, I hope I can keep it up. And I, then that is when we all said we were in a 12-step program. I shared with him a little bit about me. And he proceeded to say, yeah, but, well, 
I've been in the abbots most of my life, so I know I just shut my mouth and listen and let them talk. We tried to carry the message. Perhaps we did. And uh, he knows where to go. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much for letting me share, and thank you for your service, Sally. Thank you, Deanna B. Thank you for your service to all of us. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Hi, Sally. Hi, like Can I share? I'm sorry, hold on, you guys. I hear a lot of names coming at me. I think I hear Janet M. I thought I heard Kim. Kim G. Who else? Bella. Got you, Bella. Okay, who else? You also heard Charles Hayes. If I could be fifth, I'd appreciate it. Charles, and I'm not going to do that, Charles. Come back when you're ready, and I will certainly put you on the line if you would please do that. Um, uh, who else? Is, who's ready to share? Amy G. Amy G. Did I hear Kim G? Yes, you heard Kim. Okay, good. Kim, you'll be second. Janice M, did I hear you? Yes, thank you so much, Sally. Okay, good. You'll be first. Well, I hear Janice M, Kim G, Bella, Amy. Who else is ready to share? Okay, so let's go with that. Janice M, you're up first. Kim, you'll be up next. Well, thank you so much, Sally. Um, Nice to hear you. My name is Janice. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yes, I shared yesterday, but I missed a lot of good stuff. I'm glad we're doing it over. You know, this paragraph says to me is, you know, you don't start out talking about the spiritual malady. You'll scare people away. You don't say, oh, you know what, I'm in a 12-step program, and what happened to me is I found a pie. You can't, I, I can't do that because they'll, they'll, they'll say, well, what is she talking about? They want it. So this is instructing us be, that a page or two before they're telling us how to start this out. Talk about the problem, the, the hopelessness of my problem, that I tried all these things and it didn't work. Now I'm going to be telling them because, see, I'm an ex-problem um, compulsive overeater. And I'm armed with specifics that, you know, another, only another ex-problem um, eater can, can, can talk about. Not, I mean, doctors can talk about it, but they haven't been there and done that, where we have who have been recovered. So, you know, but you, you, me, you, and ones that are recovered can rightly tell them about the hopelessness and that we do have a solution, you know, and um, we can talk about the traits. I love that. The traits of the alcoholic. Yeah, the distinguished uh, personality traits that I had before I got recovered. And I still have to watch it. And those would be like grandiosity, childishness, the immature, emotionally immature. All alcohol, I mean, I, I read once that psychologists say that that's, we all have those common traits. And boy, was that me. So when they start to get curious and say, gee, but, you know, you're not doing that, you're not eating that ice cream anymore, how can you do that and still have it in your freezer? Well, I can because the obsession for the one day is taken away because I couldn't do that before. It would drive me to get the ice cream. And so what what happened to you, you know? Then you talk about the spiritual, how you did, you know, how you did this, how... You don't even have to, I mean, I can say my God, but you don't have to say God. You can say higher power. And then I talk about the spiritual principles, which are so readily um, available to us in these 12 steps that I I go by. Because these principles of uh, honesty and hope and faith, all those things, 
All those principles, all those actions, I lived opposite. So today, this is the way I live on a daily basis as long as I keep doing what I'm doing. And this is what happened to me. And now today, that's why I don't, I'm not driven to that ice cream in the freezer anymore for today. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Kim G., it's your turn, and Bella, you'll be up next. Thanks, Sally. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Even though your protege may not have entirely admitted his condition, he has become very curious to know how you got well. Let him ask you that question. I have to say, this has changed the way I do beginner's meetings, because when I used to do beginner's meetings, my old way was I would say, this is not a diet and calories club, and then I would talk to them almost entirely about a food plan, and they should eat exactly like me. I would scare them about what the fourth step was about. I would talk to them about having to make amends, and their face would be like, I just need to lose some weight. You know, so, so they're, what they're telling us here, we have been talking about the problem, the problem, the problem. So when I give a beginner's meeting now, I stay in that doctor's opinion. I hit them hard with those medical facts. I talk about the fact that once I pick up, I can't stop. I talk about how baffled I am, that no matter how great the necessity or the wish, I couldn't stop eating. I talk about all the human resources that I marshaled by my will to try to beat this disease and how they failed me utterly. I talk about the delusions that I could eat and enjoy, control and enjoy my eating. I talk about the delusion that I could eat like other people. And then I talk about what happens when I'm abstinent. I talk about the mental torture. I love on page 151 when it talks about um, just being dry. So I'm going to talk about it. Read from there, bottom of 151. Now and then a serious drinker being dry at the moment says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better, having a better time. As ex-problem drinkers, we smile at such a sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. Inwardly, he would give anything to take a half a dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his sobriety. He cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will be unable to imagine life either with or without alcohol. Then he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. He will wish for the end. So I'm trying to create a crisis. I'm trying to let them know that they're trapped. You know, the best description I ever heard of step one is, oh, crap, I'm screwed. I've got an allergy to the body that will never change. It's my permanent disability. And I have a mental obsession, a mental twist that will always, always convince me to go back to the food. And I do not say anything about what the solution is or the plan of action until they ask me, well, how did you escape? You obviously understand what I went through, but you're not going through it now. How did that happen? And boom, that's when you hit them with the solution. That's when you hit them with the plan of action. And I just want to say, and it says here, you offer a solution. For many years, all I offered was the camaraderie of a common problem. So first you have to get the message, and then you carry the message. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim G. Bella, it's your turn, and Amy G., you'll be up next. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Sally, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Such a wonderful paragraph. There are so many wonderful things. Keep his attention focused mainly on your personal experience. Yes, the personal experience. Before I came to the program, 
you know, I hate the word diet because I got the feeling that I am a bad girl. I am, you know, I am not smart because I only help people that they really didn't understand me. Even I heard the doctors, so the doctors told me, oh, you have to do this. You must do that. If you don't do this, so you are not losing weight. I heard my mother, oh, Bella, you don't have the willpower. And I said, oh, all those people are talking to me, but they don't have the experience that I am going through. They really didn't understand me. They just brought me to a place that I was jealous and angry. And sure, I went back to the food and again to the food. And I was miserable. And now that I am in the program, thank you, God. You know, it's a program of we. We are all the same. We are all sharing our experience because we have the same experience. And really what brought me to the program was my first meeting in the OA when I saw a lady that she looked so nice and so beautiful. And I was, in the beginning, before she started to talk, I was angry at her and I was jealous. And I said to myself, oh, why this lady is coming to this meeting? She doesn't know what I am going through. And when she said that she lost 140 pounds and she looked so good and so beautiful and she was talking with so much sense, I said, well, I want to do what she is doing. If she can do, I can do. And this is the experience. And this is what we all share, our experience, strength, and hope. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you so much, Bella. And Amy G., you're up next. Good morning, Sally. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Wow, I am. I'm, I too am glad they were back at this paragraph. There is, it's just so loaded with such awesome stuff. And, and for me, I really want to focus on the two sentences. I mean, twice in this paragraph, it says, you know, keep his attention focused mainly on your personal experience. And then it says here, tell him exactly what happened to you. I think what we're trying to get across here is that, you know, I, I'm speaking from my perspective here. I'm not pointing a finger at this person. I'm not making any judgments calls. I'm talking about the fatal nature of this illness, of this malady from my perspective and my experience what it was like. I'm drilling down, like Kim has said, on the fatal nature of the malady. I can talk about it all I want because it says here, doctors are rightly loath to tell the alcoholic patients about it, but you may talk to, about the hopeless nature of the alcoholism and compulsive overeater because we offer the solution. So the idea to create that crisis to the point that when someone was sharing with me about their experience or I hear about it in a meeting, is that I realized that I am at the end of myself, and that's the way I felt. When someone was sharing me about the powerlessness, I not only identified with what they did with food, I started to identify with the fact that I was powerless, that no matter what I did, I couldn't stop. And the more I heard about it, the more it was drilled into me, the fatal nature, the powerlessness of the mental obsession, the more I was willing to be open-minded to do anything. No matter what, no matter what my conception of God was, no matter what. And I remember, you know, when it says, tell exactly what happened to you, I remember all I need to do is share my story. 
my first overhears anonymous meeting. I'm so firmly agnostic that I'm sitting in the meeting and they talk about God and I get up and I walk out of the meeting. I had identified in. I thought, oh my gosh, maybe this is me. But as soon as they, they mentioned God, I was like, oh no. And so I got on my left the meeting, even in tears. And God bless you all in these rooms who've recovered. Someone followed me out of the room. And they didn't talk to me about God or the higher power. They talked to me about the fatal nature of this malady. And I was in a place that where I was was so painful because of my powerlessness that I was willing to do anything to leave where I was. And then I was willing to take the action regardless. And the same thing was said to me. I had to be only willing to believe in something greater than me. Many of you all have heard my story. The person said to me, I don't care if you think it's Jesus, Buddha, or the universal vibes of a tree, as long as it's not you and it's greater than you. Because a sick mind cannot heal a sick mind. And that's what this mental obsession does. That's the fatal nature of this disease. It says here on page 24, the fact that most alcoholics believe them yet obscure, and for us as compulsive overeaters, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring to our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. That is what I'm trying to drill home when I'm talking to a newcomer. And then we can talk about our own experience and allow them to make a decision on what it is they're going to be willing to believe. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Amy G. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? This is Deb W. Melissa C. Leah. Charles H. Okay. Charles, I got you that time. Deb W., you'll be first. Melissa, Melissa C., I think you said. Leah M., and then Charles. Let's go, let's go with those four. Deb W. Good morning, uh, Sally and fellow visionaries. This is Deb W. Oklahoma. Uh, the the line that I wanted to uh, talk about is uh, he can choose any conception he likes, provided it makes sense to him. Um, the um, what that says to me is that um, when I when I my experience is this. when I came in the program, I had an idea, and that, that's the conception, an old idea of God. And that was <clears throat> that I had to be good enough. I had to uh, stop doing the things that I'm doing that were wrong. Um, I had to go to church every Sunday. I had to, um, you know, do a lot more than I could do. I, it was like I was always trying to catch up with the God in my mind to do the right thing, and and that God, you know. I... Whoops, Deb, we lost you. Okay, Sally, do you hear me now? Sure do. Go ahead, Deb. Okay. All I try, all I ever was trying to do was to catch up with the God that was in my mind, and the God in my mind constantly pointed out the things I did wrong, 
and it wasn't serving me well. You know, it was like I knew there was a God out there, but I had no idea of any kind of personal relationship with God. I felt like I had to do the right things uh, perfectly before I could even address. I had to also know there was the ritual of the religion, and that was separate from the relationship that I'm trying to develop. You know, there is a ritual. This is the way we serve God. This is the way we, you know, express the, you know, our, uh, this is what we practice. But then I found when I came into program that there is a spiritual uh, power that's within me. And that is the, the power that I'm trying to access and be a part of and have a relationship with. Um, and, and I, and I found out in program that I could put away that old idea of God and and nothing would come, no lightning would come down and strike me. I could form an idea of the God that I can relate to, and that would be a God who would understand me no matter what I did, who didn't want me to stay in the things that were not working for me, but would work with me, would love me unconditional. It's still hard for me today to believe that God can love me, higher power can love me, is interested in me, no matter what I do. There is a love that I can't even comprehend, and I have to take bits and pieces of that love. And these steps help me learn that, you know, the constant working of the steps. Uh, after I completed and had the spiritual awakening, but the importance that those simple lines are the whole, you know, basis for this whole book. This book introduces me to God, and and then the the why I need God, and it continues to uh, daily uh, let me nurture that relationship. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Deb W. And Melissa C. Leah, you'll be next. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, uh, you know, I love that I'm really given such specific directions for how to carry the message and for how to work with other people because, um, you know, I know that I have to continue working with other people and um, and leave the results up to God, which... Um, you know, is really difficult at times because, um, you know, I I forget not only am I powerless over my disease, but I'm powerless over someone else's disease. Um, so having, you know, a blueprint for how to approach people um, and how to and how to carry the message is so important for me um, because it really does remind me that I do my part and leave the results up to God and. Um, you know, and that my story um, has value, that um, my struggles and, and where this disease brought me to the hell it brought me is important. That's an important part, and it's not told, um, you know, I don't, I don't tell people my story um, for sympathy, um, you know, or to, to, like, somehow get off on the gory details you know, um, how bad it was, but so that um, there's hope because I don't live that way anymore, and and it did not come from me, and, um, you know, and I, at first, I really um, was so resentful of having to put this in God's hands because I had an immature um, vision of God still. I still felt 
um, like God had to pass my litmus test. He had to give me what I wanted first, and then I'll believe in him. And um, that is not the way it works. Um, and so when I began to listen to A Vision for You, and I really got it that um, this was hopeless, and um, and I was never going to fix this without uh, redefining my higher power. When that point got driven home to me, I became completely open-minded to um, changing my relationship with a higher power. And I have, you know, recovery today because I because I'm God reliant. I'm not Melissa reliant. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa. Melissa C. and Leah M. It's your turn. And Charles, you'll be up next. Leah. Leah. I'm just going to wait one more second, Leah. Okay, we'll have Charles and then we'll have Leah. Charles, are you ready? Ready like Freddie, Sally. Can you hear me? We can hear you, and we're excited to hear you, Charles. Take it away. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your service, Sally. Um, my name is Charles H. I'm a recovered visionary just for today. And, um, wow, it, it, this is packed with a lot here. Continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. Um, yeah, you know, like, you know, uh, before, before, I got to say before I realized that I had a, a fatal malady, you know, I, I, I can clearly honestly say without any any issues that I, I, I white-knuckled the weight off. I white-knuckled it because I didn't really, you know, how can somebody realize um, the, uh, the solution? How can they grasp the solution without knowing what the problem is? The problem is my mind mostly the crux of my problem, and once, and once it, 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 I trigger the allergy, it's over. I'm dead. I'm dead, definitely dead, you know, physically, you know, mentally first, spiritually, yeah, and, and then physically. So, but, um, you know, I, I wanted to talk about, you know, I'm just saying, I think we need to be careful when we come on the line. I hear in meetings, even sometimes on Vision for you, I don't mean to step on nobody's toes, but I got to speak it. You know, we just don't eat. You know, newcomers, like, I remember when I was a newcomer and I went to my first couple of meetings, I just I starved myself. I was like, man, if I eat, they don't understand that terminology, we just don't eat. You know, so I think we need to be careful with the newcomer because I remember, like, I went to a men's meeting and, and it, you know, I heard people say, we just don't eat. And then we went out, you know, to fellowship after, and it was like, well, Charles, what's going on? Oh, I don't want to eat because I don't want to, you know, you guys said we just don't eat. And they showed me, you know what? No, we eat. We just eat absolutely. And, you know, and then, you know, but I was hungry enough. I could have been like, yo, I'm leaving. Sometimes I scared, I used to scare the newcomer away because I said stuff like that. We just don't eat. No, we need to explain to them, um, you know, our experience. And, and just to wind down, you know, I, when I picked up, I, I, I realized my issue. I stalled. I didn't continue in step 10, and then the food became exciting again. But, you know, 
and I went through steps again. And, and I took a sponsee. I said, we need to go back to step one. She's like, why, why? I said, well, I took a right to the doctor's opinion. You know, we feel that a man's brain should be cleared before, you know. And she's like, okay, cool. Because there were some things in the fourth step that really came up, and she utilized that as an excuse. I said, well, you know, I just want you to focus on that. Focus on getting your abstinence back, and we'll go back in the steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for allowing me to have a voice. Thank you, Charles. Thanks for having a voice. Leah, you'll be next. And then, Rachel, you'll come and read for us the next paragraph. Leah? Thanks so much, Sally. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. I mean, these are clear directions as to how to uh, converse with a prospect, how to carry the message. And this was a hard lesson that was learned from Bill's own uh, early efforts at 12-step work. Because at the end of six months of teaching and preaching to scores of men and pulling them off the bar stools by their shirt collar, nobody sobered up. And obviously Bill felt very dejected about this and went to Dr. Silkworth. And Dr. Silkworth said, you know, hey, instead of preaching about God and spiritual awakenings, first focus the alcoholic's attention on that twofold nature, on that double-edged sword that's held above him. Tell him about the obsession of your mind that condemned you to drink. Tell him about the allergy of the body that ensured yourself destruction. And that's exactly what Bill did, and that's what we do. And so, you know, ain't it grand, you know, that we have the opportunity to speak to uh, those who are still suffering about our experience. This is what we live through. You know, when I used to eat my binge food, I could not control the amount of binge foods I ate. Something happened to me when I put binge foods into my body. I would develop this insatiable appetite for more. And once I started eating, I had little or no control. It was like throwing a match into a bucket of gasoline. Whoosh! But I have a problem worse than that. I've got a mental problem. I've got a problem with my mind because when I had had enough and when I was crying buckets of tears saying I was never going to do this again, I wasn't going to binge my brains out again, I'm not going to sit in a car in a dark parking lot and binge my brains out no more, that's it, the end, I'm going to be happy now, all of a sudden I would change my mind. And taking a bite of binge food seemed like the best idea I'd had in a long time. And, you know, that is the frustration of a real compulsive overeater. However, I'm happy to announce that as a result of coming to Overeaters Anonymous and getting a copy of this book and performing the requirements in this book, I'm happy to announce I have not changed my mind about taking that first bite in over 28 years, and that is nothing less than a miracle. Because something came between me and compulsive overeating more than 28 years ago and has been there ever, ever since. And that is because of this recovery process and the relationship with a power greater than myself. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks for sharing, Leah. Okay, let's move on to the next paragraph when dealing with such a person. And Rachel N.M., would you please read for us this one paragraph on page 93, the very first paragraph. Yes, good morning, Sally. Thank you for your service. This is Rachel and M. I'm a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic from Ohio. When dealing with such a person, you had better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. 
there is no use arousing any prejudice he may have against certain theological terms and conceptions about which he may already be confused. Don't raise such issues, no matter what your convictions are. Well, I'm Rachel, um, and I feel like I have a lot to learn about sharing um, with newcomers still. But this training, um, this teaching is starting to change um, the way I interact with all people, not just other compulsive overeaters. Before the program, I think I felt like I needed to control other people's journeys. And now I see that God can teach about himself. And my aim is to help his children. And it is not helpful to others to arouse prejudice, um, to put people in a box. Um, Rather, like we've heard, it is helpful to share um, my own weaknesses and what God has done for me. Um, That's all I have to share this morning. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. Would anyone else like to share on this? On these few yes, it's Vasa. Oh, please. Larry. Okay, Vasa, and then Larry. Is there someone else? And I'm going to jump in, too. Okay, Vasa. Oh, Paula D, got you. Anyone else? Carolyn. Duel. Duel. And Duel. Stu, I don't know if we're going to get that far. But Carolyn. I got you, Carolyn. I do. Have okay, that. thank you. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Vasa O. Vasa? Vasa, we can't hear you. Star one, please. Thank you. I'm so sorry. I was talking to myself. Thank you, Sally, for your service. And I am Vasa O. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Massachusetts. Uh, and this is a program of attraction. That's what attracted me to the program. Uh, I had a friend that had been in the program for about two years, and she came to visit me, and I liked what I saw in her. Boy, she was completely, like, body size, you know. She just had lost a lot of weight. She had the glassy eyes, and she just was just amazing. There was like a bee, um, peace over her. And she 12-stepped me, you know. Uh, she knew my disease, and I, I didn't know anything about the disease, but she found out, you know. And she 12-stepped me for about a week before she took me to my first meeting. So in that week, we, in one week, we, we talked about different things about the program. And she talked about the powerlessness about herself, you know. I could identify with that. About the physical allergy, I did not know anything about the physical allergy, and uh, and then following with the mental obsession, I could relate that when I ate certain things, that how my mind would just keep going back and forth to go and get that stuff, and uh, even when I became abstinent, my mind kept on obsessing to go to go back to those things. And But then she told me what the solution was, you know. So uh, I, I liked what she, she had, you know. And then she said to me, you know, 
this is uh, a physical and spiritual and emotional and mental disease, and uh, we need to surrender to God and, you know, all these things. It didn't come out in just 10 minutes. We covered a lot of stuff in about a week. And, uh, and she said something about you need to find a power greater than, ourse- than yourself to help us because we cannot do this by ourselves and we need to surrender to the program and, you know, work like, you know, they, and uh, follow the directions in the big book, the way it's laid out, and do it only one day at a time. So, you know, she, we covered a lot. And I, she, I was sold. I was ready. I was sick and suffering, you know. And I was ready to surrender to do whatever she suggested for me to do. She said, the only thing I don't want you to do is hurt yourself, you know, and don't hurt anybody else. You know, that's what I want from you. And then just to pass it on later on in your life, you know. Uh, so I'm just so, so grateful that I did start like that, you know. And uh, it is by the grace of God I've been abstinent for years. And what I heard is not... It's um, not I'll just wrap it up. Do not do not eat no matter what, no matter what. But she said, go to God. And then I heard, eat three healthy meals. So it's not like, but I was confused. No matter what, no matter what, don't eat about, don't eat. But what she meant, don't eat over your problems, you know. Uh, go to God, pray oh, about it. Vasa. Thank you very much. Pass. Thank you, Vasa. Larry, it's your turn. Paula D., you'll be up next. Sorry, thank you for your service. Um, Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. So it, it, this, again, more specific instructions here. Um, when dealing with such a person who, uh, you know, uh, in our case, uh, a compulsive overeater, you better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. You know, I, I don't want to arouse uh, prejudice from other other people. You know, if you can imagine getting to the rooms, I think back, if someone, you know, were to, first off, I, I came here very confused spiritually. You know, um, I, I, I had an awareness that there was a God. Um, I didn't I didn't have an awareness at that point based on my experience that there could be a God personal to me. And I certainly didn't want to hear about your specific religious upbringing for better or for worse. I would have run for Z Hills if I had heard that. You would have not have you would have not been of use to your higher power to your higher power by trying to serve me in that way. Now that's me. You know, um, you know, may, may, maybe others are different, but really, I did not come here to have a spiritual awakening. That's not, although that is what happened, but that's not why I came there that day. So it says, you know, and it gives us great instructions. Don't raise such issues, no matter what your own convictions are. See, the God of my understanding today is bigger than me, bigger than than anything. Is omnipotent. Is everywhere. So I don't have to worry to to carve out a message, to get my message across, to shake you up by your, grab you by your shirt tail and say, listen to me, this is what you need. That wouldn't be serving you. And I know I would have run from that message. So I try to use simple terms when I do get around to talking about the spirit. This is what happened to me. I came here fat. I came here isolated. I came here, uh, you know, my life was miserable full of anxiety and fear. 
I, 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 you know, I learned something about my disease and I, and I work these steps and I continue to work these steps and something happened to me and I don't, and I don't live that way anymore. That's the message that I carry, and uh, I don't have to get into details about Christianity, about Judaism, about Buddhism, about thisism, about thatism. It doesn't matter. If it works, it's terrific. You know, it's that own person's own conception, because I know that the God of my understanding is bigger than that. I don't have to be the intermediary. Thank you very much for, for my God. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Larry. It's Sally A. Recovered in South Jersey, and I'm just going to jump in here for less than a minute and say one thing and bring you guys to page 49 just to make one small point about what we're reading right now. Speaking about the prejudice, at the bottom of page 49 it says, we have traveled this dubious, we who have traveled this dubious, questionable, debatable path beg you to lay aside prejudice. And so we're basically presenting to them the set-aside prayer. Set aside what you think you know. That's what's being said to us here in this paragraph. We're encouraging them to set aside what they think they know, to set aside their prejudice. And that, with that, I'm going to pass and go on to Paula D. Paula, you ready? I am. I am ready. Thank you, Sally. This would be Paula D., and I am a compulsive eater recovered today by and with the grace of God. You know, I'm just going to kind of camp out here on this first line. When dealing with such a person, it's a person, it's a name, it's a voice, it's a life. We are at this point recovered in giving what we have received you had better use everyday language. You know, oftentimes we go into foreign countries and we all breathe a sigh of relief, but whew, oh my goodness, I understand what they're saying. This part here is so important to describe spiritual principles. Use everyday language. Honey, we don't need to be confused. We're already in there. We're already confused. Remember who they are and remember who you are. Remember how wonderful it was when they spoke to you and they came alongside you? They weren't in front of you or they sure weren't behind you pushing you along? You don't need any more of that. But this is what opens the door. We often use the word experience. Remember, experience is a gateway. It's a gateway. It's not an ending. Your experience is a gateway from you to them. I am going to be mindful of the time here. It says here, and I'm going to end with, don't raise such issues. They're there. They're being, they're being very clear. They're already there. No matter what your own convictions are, because it's not about you. Finally, it's not about you. It's about who they are. As I began, a name, a person, a life, a disease person that is looking for wellness. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Carolyn, you'll be our last share. I'm so sorry, Do. Carolyn, Thank you'll you be so our much. last year. Do join this us in the Car- second hour. Go this ahead. is Carolyn H. Um, from Massachusetts. I love this paragraph because um, this is how I need to talk to people in plain, simple language. If they approach me, if they say, 
how, how did you lose all that weight? Or what are you doing to keep all that weight off? Or, you know, and I just say, I was so broken and I had to come and find something that was greater than myself. I wasn't in charge and I didn't know that. And to be able to share with somebody from the depths of my soul, the pain that I was in, the pain that I went through, the sadness that I suffered, the depressions, that's my story, just sharing my story. And then when they look and say, but how do you still do it? And then I say, how I still do it. And if they're still interested, wonderful. And if they're not, that's okay. I planted that mustard seed. And that's all that matters. They're thinking about it. And with that, I pass. Oh, Carolyn, you're awesome, Do Are you still there? We'd love to hear from you, Do. We've got time. Good morning. This is Do, Recover Compulsive Overeater. Um, I love this paragraph. It says, um, you know, do not arouse any prejudice he may have on certain theological terms or conceptions and, and use everyday language to describe the spiritual principles. And, you know, one of the things about the big book, it, it takes the guesswork out of, out of terminology. It just um, it gives us the terminology <laughs> to use with with um with people and so i you know i don't have to get into a debate about you know you're a christian you're muslim you're this you're that you're you're everything else um it says in the big book that you know god makes a raw the road broad and roomy never exclusive always inclusive and some of the some of the concepts that we we get into or these spiritual terms that we get you get into just to give you an example is you know when we come to um things like uh, in theological terms we talk about sin right and and the big book doesn't get into that they don't get into the the theological terms of sin in other words they give us uh terms such as shortcomings exact nature of our wrongs or character defects and that's something that's easier to swallow for someone that doesn't have a religious background or doesn't um, agree with those terms. And and this is the language that the big book gives us, you know. And so I, I just love this paragraph because it takes the debate out of the game. It takes the controversy out of the game. And it gives us a simple language that we all can agree on. And thank God for that. Thank God for this big book. Thank God for this program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do Do L. Thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Deborah R. please read for us a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only, ending with keep you until then. Good morning, Sally. Thank you for your service. Good morning. Fellow visionaries, uh, this is Deborah R. I'm glad to be with you. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, You cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.